This is the War and Peace Project coming to you from Studio 3 at the Third Space on Campus Corner. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to Ellie, 22 months, and five rescue animals, political scientist, policy wonk, and co-owner of four businesses with my fellow co-host, Sarita Wilson. And I am Sarita Wilson. I am almost 50 years old, uh, birther of four businesses, mother of two grown children, five rescue animals, and one errant husband. Well, today we are going to talk about building relationships. In the world of entrepreneurship, we tend to be a bunch of little islands, or we want to be. Uh, we forge a path, and we swim real hard, all the you know analogies there. And um, sometimes we forget that it's good to look outside of our organization for and inside our organization for relationships. And we are calling this uh, It Takes a Village. We are on both sides of this. As business owners, we have seen the benefit of building relationships. We've been able to weather some decently tough times. We've been able to seek out new opportunities because of the relationships that we've built. But in some of the other things we do, like being on city council, we are not in the leadership role. <laughs> we are, you know, we don't head that organization the same way that we head our businesses. And we've seen the impact that a lack of relationship building can have in that venue. So we thought this would be a good time to talk about building relationships because as we have mentioned in some of our previous podcasts, we are working on some of those things like building a relationship with our new CPA. And we've been able to take some steps and make some moves and, and do some forward thinking without being so nervous, I think, because we've been able to build these relationships and we have built trust in those relationships so we can go to our bank and say, hey, so we need some help figuring out how to manage these next few months. So when we were talking about this, I kind of thought about three categories, who and why and how. So who do you build a relationship with as a business owner, as a council member, as a human? Who is it good to have these relationships with? As a business owner, I think Kate has mentioned our bank, having a good bank that understands small businesses and startups and entrepreneurs, not just, you know, a bank that knows banking, um, somebody that can be a partner with you in your growth. And that's helpful because as you explain the situation that brings you into the bank, needing to exercise that relationship that you've built, if your bank doesn't understand the ebbs and flows of small businesses or some of the hurdles that a small business owner can encounter that is not necessarily tied to the direct management of that business, it can be really difficult to get the help that you need. A bank that is very well versed in small businesses will listen to the story and say, okay, yeah, we've got a great solid business here that's dealing with, you know, the weird schedule of payroll and holidays. So how are we going to weather that? Not well, if this, if this is an issue, then that means that this business is not succeeding. So having that strong relationship with your bank will help give you more tools in your toolbox and more options to help you deal with any of the natural situations that can happen in any business. And many times as you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, we have a tendency to have a couple of skill sets or maybe a bunch of skill sets, but maybe finance is not necessarily one of them. It doesn't mean you're not going to be a good business owner if you don't have finance in your in your toolbox that's not your thing you can always go talk to your cpa your lawyer your banker those people are are wealth of knowledge and that's what they do for a living so having a relationship with them is helpful and you don't have to keep it in your own brain <laughs> well building that relationship then means that 
you can rely on their expertise and admit that you don't know something. So you can go into them and say, look, I'm facing this holiday with, with payroll that happens at a weird time. Is this just something we need to get through or is this a s- systemic problem? And they will help you be able to understand that. The same, the same with your CPA. But the hesitation to do so, I think, is a primary sign that you haven't built that relationship or built trust in that relationship. If you're too afraid to go to your banker to talk about a situation that you're facing in your business, think about why that is and try and see what you can do to help build that relationship. Continue to tell the story to your banker, not just when times are bad. Or just when times are good. Right. If you are constantly going to your banker telling them that everything's perfect, nothing's ever wrong then they're probably not going to trust you (laughs) because we all know that can't be true. So, you know, just having conversations, whether it's popping in and just saying hi every now and then. Or recently we had a situation where we needed to talk to the bank, say, hey, we have a timing situation, whatever. It wasn't a big deal, but we knew what was going on. We wanted to make sure they knew what was going on. And then when everything went through the way I, I thought it would or we thought it would, I did a follow-up, like, here's what we did over the weekend, just to let you know, keeping you in the loop so that that trust stays there and we maintain that relationship. And on that one point, I will also say when we went in and we talked to them about the timing situation that we were facing, I think they came out feeling more optimistic about our businesses than we did. Yeah. I mean, I was I was sitting there going, this is like great business owner therapy session. It was. It was like, like a I come in there talk. and like, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I came out and I was like, I feel jazzed. I feel energized. I know, <laughs> like, like, That thing we were worrying about is not that big of a deal because we have these other people on our team and they were able to talk us through the things we weren't thinking about. So yeah, they said, not only is this not a big deal, but you have great prospects ahead of you. And I was like, oh, great. I only came in for the answer to one question and you just gave me the answer to life. (laughs) Yeah. So it's good that you find a banker that you get along with, that you can trust and that understands small businesses, you know, and then foster that relationship. Um, Another example is other business owners, having good relationships with other business owners, whether they're in your industry or outside of your industry. But but I have an example of of how that worked in our benefit by having a relationship with another coffee roaster. And my husband's a coffee roaster. And we had to move our roastery. I've told this story before, but we had to move our roastery. And and it was you know an opportunity to be in a better place and uh, but it took a couple of months to build out that roastery so we had to park our roaster basically, and Rob had built the relationship with other roasters to where he could go use another roaster's machine, and it seems so counterintuitive but. I kind of balked at him a little bit for having built these. I'm like, those people are our direct competitors, you know? And he just likes the camaraderie, and he's just a nice guy. Um, So whenever we were in need, then I got the benefit, even though I probably didn't see it whenever we were helping somebody else. And we also do that. I mean, we've mentioned in previous episodes about addressing competition, but building relationships with those other competitors is a part of that. And we talked in the last episode about... Uh, making sure that you know the strengths and weaknesses of the other doggy daycare and boarding facilities. So if you are full for a holiday, that you know the right place to send your client so that they can get the service that they still need, whether or not it's with you, calling to make sure that they're not full, 
referring over. I mean, all of these things you can do inside your industry too, not just build goodwill with those other businesses, but also with your client. That helps maintain your client relationship. So yeah, that's just a nice segue right to client that not being able to help them in their time of need feels really good to them when you can find a solution, even if you aren't going to be getting paid for that solution. Somebody else is, but your client will remember that and that is a great way to keep that relationship going well. Well, and clients clients is again another another way you need to continue building relationships, particularly if you're in a trust industry like doggy daycare. This is the holiday season. One of the things that we often deal with in the holidays is new-ish dogs coming to us, uh, maybe boarding for the first time or dogs that only board at the holidays, um, which can often bring some interesting behavioral (laughs) issues due to stress, um, but also can lead to a higher incidence of things like kennel cough. It just, Mm -hmm. it just happens. You get tons of dogs in the same building, many of whom have not boarded for a year. Vaccines are effective against some strains, but not all strains, as we know, like with human flu. And so building the relationships with the clients to be able to know when dogs are getting sick, because our clients know that we want to know when their dog is not feeling well after a stay. That also allows us to remind our clients who might then be boarding again in the future that this is something that they should expect is a possibility during the holiday season. So we probably post a a similar reminder to our clients about about the presence of kennel cough, I'd say probably three or four times a year. They all come to expect it now. They like the reminder. And they like to know that we are paying attention to these things and monitoring these things and taking the time to remind them. And I think, especially in the dog boarding business, uh, and I say it often, that we are taking care of nonverbal loved ones. So when people drop their dog with us and are gone for three or four days, if we have a good relationship with them and they know that we are going to do the right things and things that they're comfortable with while they're gone then they can relax and have a better trip and do whatever it is they're doing and not have to worry about their dog. And if they do pick their dog up on the other, you know, at the end of that in their kennel cough, they know they can call us because we want to know. Mm-hmm. It just this builds this expectation in with the client that call us and let us know. We'll give you some advice and send you to the vet or whatever needs to happen. You know, we've been doing this long enough and there wasn't any big major abuse or it's not a nasty facility or anything, but this is part of what to expect. We also do follow-up calls with our clients when we know that a dog has been sick. We'll also do random quality control checks. All of these Mm -hmm. things help build trust and relationships with our clients. They really appreciate getting a call three or four days after their boarding stay to make sure that everything was okay. Gives them an opportunity to vent if there was anything minor that they wouldn't normally bring up when they pick up. It just gives us the opportunity to know more and it makes the clients feel valued. And it gives us an opportunity to coach our employees. And so that brings us to employees. Uh, Having a good relationship with your employees is valid because they do, you know, they're the boots on the ground. They're the ones that are They have your business in their hands, really. So having a good relationship, building that expectation with them, this is something I've failed at over the years. I kind of go in waves of good and not so good at it. But when I let those relationships kind of fizzle or just assume that they're okay, then we start having weird problems that really is solved by spending lots of time together talking with employees and making sure I'm supporting them well. And which is one reason why Mm -hmm. we focus so much on building a leadership team. 
because we we as business owners recognized that as we continued to pursue new opportunities, there is just less and less available time for us to spend even just being there for the day-to-day activities of any of our businesses. There's just less of it. When it was just one doggy daycare and Sarita Wilson, I mean, you could spend as much time there as you wanted. I was there all the time. And now and now we're not. The difference between this time in 2018 and this time in 2019 in terms of how much time I'm spending at any of our businesses is a pretty drastic difference. And so having that leadership team in place and instilling those values in them gives those employees another relationship to build with individuals who don't have quite the same amount of <laughs> power mm-hmm. or ability to, you know, to change that employee's, you know, day-to-day lives, but at least it's something and they can help relay information to us. They can help the employees feel valued, they can help our clients feel valued. And they just, you know, they keep the ship running, which is one of the best ways for employees to feel valued is to be in a a, a clean working facility that does everything that it needs to do so they can do their jobs. So a few others I put on the list of good relationships to maintain and have are business partners. Obviously, Kate and I spend time doing, obviously, this podcast and we work out together, which is a nice team building. So it's away from our, you know, business, but we always end up talking about business anyways. And then we have lunch together often and really these little strategic sessions where we sit down and kind of hammer out what our new ideas are, what our goals are and that sort of thing. Family, keep maintaining those relationships because it is really hard to let work-life balance slide one direction or the other. Too much family, too much work. Our vendors, it's very important that we are able to talk to our vendors and see what kinds of things we can do better or get from them or pricing or timing or things like that that we need. Incubating other businesses is something that we do in each of our businesses. Kate actually pointed this out the other day and I thought, oh, we do have, and I think we had done it inadvertently, but I think it's one of the kind of magic things that we've done in our businesses. And that is every one of our businesses has another business incubating within it. (laughs) Except for our drive-through coffee kiosk, which just doesn't have the square footage. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) that one's sort of incubating the roastery though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so we have we have a doggy daycare that has a woman groomer that rents space from us. We have a doggy daycare that has a woman, several women dog trainers that rent space from us, uh, and we have a roastery that has a woman baking company that bakes in our space. So we have or in, incubating these are three other female-owned businesses. And then last on my list, well, I have CPA and insurance and all your little professional organizations. We had recently, we decided all of a sudden we're going to do a kiosk at the mall. Like we didn't, we didn't think about it for too long. We just did it. We're we're amazing team of thinker-uppers, let me tell you. But we needed insurance. And so I just called my insurance guy real quick and he had it in 30 minutes. So no big deal because I have a relationship and he knows what our business is and he knows what we're doing. And then the big one that probably is beyond having a good banker, the 100% success story (laughs) is my landlord. I have a really good landlord. We have the best landlord. And I sort of accidentally forced Gump my way into his life, but um, I had called every place in the city looking for a place to open up this idea I had of a doggy daycare back in 2009, and nobody wanted me to have 100 dogs in their building. I don't know why. But um, this landlord said, hey, that building won't work, the one you're calling about, 
but let's show you another building that was much more expensive. And I thought, well, of course you want to show me the more expensive building. I really thought that was why. But when I looked at it, I was like, oh, no, it really did have all of the things I needed for what I wanted to do. It really was the better fitting building. And I just looked at him and I was very honest. And I said, I can't afford this. I don't know if this idea is a go or not. And he called me back like a day later and said, hey, I really like your idea. I want to partner with you. So let's build this rent in a way that you can afford it and we can see if this works. I really think a lot of our success has been tied to our landlord's willingness to recognize the seasonality of our business and say, I have a number, an annual number that I need to get from you in rent. But what I get each month can vary. Obviously, we have more structure to it than that, but just the mm. little, the five-second yeah. overview of how we of how we structure our rent. And I don't think that I really appreciated that quite as much as I should have until a friend of ours who owned a business moved into an upgraded space for him, and it was that landlord's first time owning a building. And boy, could you tell. That landlord absolutely wanted every lease commitment from his tenant to be followed to the letter, but then the landlord failed to provide access to about 20% of the space, which was a big selling point of that space in the first place, didn't pull all the equipment out to make it a fully functional, usable space. And so it was a pretty bad situation. And the one that could largely have been avoided with a landlord who recognized the need for a startup business to have some runway to get off the ground and to say, I would much rather have a business in my building than have it sit empty for another year, which was the issue with, with our friend. That building had been vacant for a year, and then the new tenant gets no more than three or four months to struggle to try and make things work in a building that wasn't even set up or given access to the way he thought, and then the rug was pulled out from under him. We know now, even more so, what it's like to have a landlord like the one we have. And mm -hmm. we are very thankful for that. And we've been, we've worked very hard to only change what is absolutely necessary that we change in order to continue operating. And they have been very, very flexible with us and very, very understanding and have really made things a lot easier than I think they, they had every ability to make our lives a lot harder and they haven't. So absolutely, we would not have we would not have made it had they not helped us and and really partnered with us. I think part of it is because we we've been good tenants too. So we it's not just taking from the relationship; we give as well. So, like I fix things, I maintain the property, things that some tenants don't do well, and then we're consistent. And if we have a problem where we can be a little late with the rent or which has only happened a very few times. You know, there's lots of communication between me and them. That way they know what's going on and we didn't just skip out on them. But that's a whole list of either we could go on for days on who to build relationships with. And I feel like each one of those had sort of a why with it. So who and why there. But let's talk about the how. How do we build those relationships? We've touched on it a little bit. I think I tend to be just an outgoing person and I talk to people. I love talking to people about everything. So I find out what thing they do and then, you know, that's just my, in my talent pool, but not everybody has that. So be approachable, share your story with people all the time. Like I happen to, you know, share it with people at the coffee shop or my kids think it's bragging, but really I want people to know the things that we do and I want to know what they do. So be authentic. Also join professional groups and networking 
Some of them are bad. Find one that fits you. I do not like the networking groups that are filled with multi-level marketing folks. I really prefer the networking groups that have people like myself that are sort of boots on the ground entrepreneurs. We found those both in person and online. Right. There's a lot of Facebook groups that are very helpful. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest frustration when I first started this. It wasn't even anybody I could sit down and like bounce something off of. Is this a bad idea or a good idea? And so that's why I stayed stagnant in some things like systems. And I don't know where to go to find answers to some of those questions. So if you have people outside your organization, it's a great way to get ideas. Well, let me tell you, there is nothing that makes me feel better about issues we have with our employees than dipping into the coffee business owners Facebook group and looking at some of the issues they deal with with their employees. I'm like, oh, not only does everyone deal with this, but a lot of people deal with significantly worse issues than we're dealing with. Yeah, we, we tend to have pretty reasonable employee issues comparatively, I guess. I try to maintain relationships by doing follow-up emails and communication like these relationships with the banker and the CPA and the insurance. And, you know, when we're having to make strategic business decisions, I definitely include them in the loop so they don't get nervous about anything we're doing. You know, even if it's like, we just added Annie's at home. I don't want my banker to think we're adding Annie's at home because we're going to eliminate something else. Or I don't want him to get nervous about the things that we're doing. So I, I reach out and say, hey, here's an update on what's going on at, at Annie's Rough House and the Wilson Company. It also helps with people that are not financially tied to your business like a like a banker would be, mm-hmm. but even just other businesses. So kind of like if you're only reaching out because you need something, that's really kind of a one-sided relationship. Um, And the same would be on the, on the reverse. If they only reached out to you when they needed something. So, I mean, really the best relationships are the ones that do include some of that. You want that give and take, but you also just want to, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, how's the kids? How are the, you know, your dog remember people's names and dogs names and that sort of thing. Be, you know, be trustworthy and foster trust and protect those relationships. And that Uh, also means don't send someone untrustworthy to a solid relationship. You want to keep your name and your reputation. Yeah. So if you're going to leverage some of these connections that you've made in the community for someone else, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but just always make sure that when you leverage that relationship, that you're doing it in a way that continues to build it up and doesn't start to erode it. So an example of a good relationship that was built inadvertently was Kate and I worked on a common interest, which was advocating for our animal shelter, animals in our animal shelter in our community. And that's how we got to know each other. And we started working together on those kinds of things. And then we both got on city council and so we'd already had this relationship. We already knew where, where we were trying to row the boat that we were rowing at that moment. And we were going the same direction. So and with that analogy, we were, we, so we got on the same boat together. And we basically spent a lot of time working on these things. And we got to know each other really well. We got to know each other's work style and our personality differences and the skill sets that we bring to the table. And so when it came time to talk about a business situation, to me, it was a no brainer that she and I would be a good fit as business partners, because I knew she had the things that I don't necessarily have. So I guess I'm saying all of that to say, like, if you're considering a business partner relationship, don't do it because you're friends, but do it because you know that person's skill sets and either personality type is compatible with your own. I have some friends that I absolutely could go into business with and some friends that I absolutely could not. And I love them all the same. Right, yeah. But there are some people, just like I have some friends that I could live with, 
<laughs> and some friends that I absolutely could not. Doesn't mean I love you any less. Just yeah. means I don't want to share a house with you. Well, and you know, like my husband's a good example. We love each other. We travel so well together. We work on projects really well together. And we're, you know, 13 years in. We're a great married couple. But when we ran Annie's at Rough House together, we almost didn't make it. That We just had very different styles. He wanted it to kind of be a, I don't know, an assembly line or very, you know, blue collar like and lots of rules and rigidity. And I wanted it to be fun and you know, a doggy daycare, which I know that's, I'm putting my slant on. Of course, mine was more right than his, but obviously we just didn't work well together in that capacity. And now we're working together again. I feel like we're doing better because there's, we it's have better, a, but I feel I, there's a little part of me that feels like you're on your best behavior because I'm around. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, is, like, I think we have the Kate buffer in that. <laughs> like we're not throwing stuff at each other because that would be uncalled for. But And I'm also trying very hard to not pick sides <laughs> or at least you pick sides equally <laughs> to be like, so, I have taken Sarita's side a lot these last few weeks. Now I'm going to rob what do you need me to go to bat for. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I'll be yeah. there. Make sure whoever your Kate is in your world is uh, okay with that role. <laughs> I thought this morning about a new uh, segment. Oh, okay. Weird crap Sarita's seen this week. Uh, oh, yeah. That is that is definitely a good one. In our day-to-day -day life, we spend a lot of time traveling around the city and talking to each other via our Bluetooth on our car, in our cars. You know, she's in her car, I'm in my car, and I'm always talking, and and her end of the conversation is always, is always hearing me say, oh my God, this thing, you know, whatever, like the other day it was She'll a... She'll be like, what the hell? I, what? Wait, hold on, I'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this week, I saw a man get hit by a car on a bicycle, a dog that I thought was my dog, but was actually one of our rescues from our rescue, that was adopted by one of our employees... So I ended up stopping and getting that dog. Oh, a bird almost ran over you today in the parking lot. A bird wa jumped out from underneath the car. <laughs> and I tried to ninja it. And I she think did. She had like, she was like arms up, leg up in the air. Like she was ready to fight. Yeah. And we got mansplained at the gym. Yeah. Also, some some old guy thought it was appropriate to come over and tell Serena that she wasn't using the machine properly. And here, move aside. Let me show you. And there was this, I mean, I don't think I have, not once, not once since this has become a thing, have I ever felt the urge to say the words, okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomer, yeah. <laughs> but today was the first time. And frankly, there was, my feminist side was definitely at war with my, oh my God, I can't be, I can't be rude to old people side. So I really wanted to just, if he had been like 30 years younger, I would have just said, no, back up. We don't need your help. But I was just like, sir, we were both I, I don't, perplexed. sir, can you please, I don't, sir, no, sir, do we need to move? Yeah. Like, it was, that was a very weird situation. But he didn't do it when I was on the machine, only when Sarita was on the machine. I know, I was like, I mean, whatever, but I, so I'm a weirdo magnet, just FYI. Yeah, she definitely, definitely is. And me hearing, what the hell? Oh my God. I'll call you back is not a weird way for us to end our conversations no, anymore. That's kind of how we always end them. Yeah. So on that note, I think we'll end this podcast with continue to find us on roarandpeaceproject.com. And email us at roarandpeaceproject at gmail.com. I have a few that I actually need to respond to today. So I'm very happy about that.